We're, of course, in the midst of a very busy, exciting graduation season. Uh, this morning at our 9 o'clock Mass here at St. Mary's, we have invited all of our graduating high school students who are members of this parish to join us for this Mass. We'll be having a brunch for them afterwards. They'll hear more from me then, so I don't want to waste all my words right now for them. Got to have something to say later. Um, but in the midst of doing that, in honoring our graduates from high school, I also think it's important to honor anyone who's graduating in this graduation season, whether you're a fifth grader, eighth grader, 12th grader, 16th grader, uh, college graduate, graduate school graduate, veterinarian school graduate, you name it. If you're a graduate this year, why don't you stand so we can clap for you? Yeah, stand up, graduates. Looks like I forgot preschool too, okay? So preschool graduates, congratulations. You're almost done, all right. <laughs> so morning's also a bit bittersweet uh, for me, our seminarian Colton Steiner, who's in the sanctuary over there, looking pretty as he always does. Uh, Colton is with us for his last weekend. Uh, he joined us back in December. He spent the last five months here at the parish helping us out here helping out Father Vetter at the high school, uh, not only helping us out, but just being a good friend to us. And so Colton's going to be moving all the way to the cathedral, a few blocks west of here, where he'll spend the rest of the summer uh, helping out them. They need a little extra help over there. And so he's going to be helping out uh, Father Eli and the priests over there. Part of the reason Colton is moving is we're one of the only parishes in the diocese that has room for four seminarians. And so our four college seminarians who were with us last summer will be with us again this summer. They're moving in this weekend. And I'm probably the only pastor willing to take on four college guys. Uh, so we wanted to make room for them again. They're living in the old rectory, Joseph Richter, Isaiah Jillick, Joe Schoen, and Charles Reichert. So you'll be seeing them around starting whenever they show up. They're supposed to be here today. We'll see how that goes. Um, but let's clap and thank Colton for being with us. He was going to say a few words, but he lost his voice, uh, so if he just waves a lot, that's why. Um, I just want to highlight everyone just for a moment how important it is uh, for our seminarians to be at parishes uh, during different breaks, during their time of formation, during the summer. I can still very vividly remember the four to five parishes that I was at. I can remember how they feel. I can remember how the people treated me. And so I think it's so important for us as we continue to have seminarians here that we really try to give them a wonderful experience of, of parish life, introducing ourselves to them, saying hi, uh, not just assuming that they know who we are, but actually going out of our way to make sure they know who you are. Um, that's a really important thing. So let's continue to try to do that and give our seminarians a wonderful positive experience of parish life that the bishop has entrusted to us during these years. So with that, I'm also supposed to give a homily, okay. So let's see how that goes. Um, I know that for many of us in our own families, we have different holiday family traditions, right? And when you think of holiday family traditions, you probably think of Christmas, right? Whose house do you go on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve? You think of Thanksgiving. You might think of Easter. 
You might even think of some of our secular holidays like Memorial Day, right? Labor Day, every year we do this. Um, Fourth of July, every year we do this. But I'm guessing most of us, when we think of family holiday traditions, don't think of Good Friday. And that might sound really shocking on a beautiful spring, fifth Sunday, Sunday of Easter morning to talk about Good Friday. But I want to tell you about my Good Friday family tradition, other than just avoiding eating New York strips, all right? Um, it's something that many of you probably do. And this started back when I was a, a college freshman in seminary, home from break for a few days, is I would, in the evening of Good Friday, watch, of course, uh, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm trusting that many of you, maybe on Good Friday, sit down and watch The Passion of the Christ that's been around now for about 18 years. Um, This past Good Friday, in the midst of our snowstorm, uh, Colton and I and Father Vetter sat down on Friday evening of Good Friday, and again this year watched The Passion of the Christ. Um, What occurred to me watching it this year was two things. First, I remember while watching it, uh, the deep impact it had on my own life when it first was released on Ash Wednesday of 2004. I was a junior in high school. And I still remember going to the movie theater in Williston with my, with my mom, <laughs> who goes to movies with her mom when they were juniors, well, I did. And I remember watching the movie. And I remember the movie ended and no one was talking. And it was a totally new experience of going to a movie. And I remember walking down the aisle and walking past the popcorn and pop and walking outside and like no one was talking. And there's guys like standing in line going to the next movie, not going to The Passion of the Christ. They're going to like, you know, Hangover Part 2 or whatever it is, some stupid movie. And they're looking at us like, what just happened to them? Like, who died, right? Like, well. And I remember driving home with my mom and getting home and going downstairs to where my bedroom was and just like totally perplexed by what I just saw. And I opened my Bible that I found. It had a little dust on it. And like for the first time in my life, after watching The Passion of the Christ that very night, junior in high school, 17 years old, I remember opening my Bible and being like, so where is all this stuff? that I just saw. And I found the Gospel of Matthew. Like, okay, birth, okay, Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, okay, where is it? Keep going. And I got to Matthew chapter 26, the Passion narrative. And I read it. And I'm like, wow, it's all here. I just saw it on the TV screen, but it's also right here. And then I remember going to the Gospel of Mark, Mark 14, where, okay, okay, pretty close. Few similarities, few differences, but it's all here. Then I went to Luke, and I went to John. And it was all there. And I couldn't believe it. I know that might sound shocking, but I'm like, it's all right here. Like, Mel Gibson didn't have to do a thing. And I'm not embellishing I ran upstairs, I woke up my mom and dad, and I said, it's all here. And they're like, what are you talking about? 
I said, no, you guys. It's all here. And for the first time in my life, like the scriptures through this movie, like came alive. And I could picture these scenes in a whole new way. Now this year, in addition to remembering that thought, um, the terrible scene that we all hate, right? Uh, the scourging at the pillar that we always turn away from and maybe fast forward depending on the ages of our kids. I remember this year watching that. And in the past, when I watched that scene of the Roman soldiers scourging Jesus, I remember thinking, like, what a bunch of animals, right? Like, how could they keep doing this? Like, stop. And I'd always have this, like, hatred in my heart toward them. Like, you animals. And then this year, something happened while I was sitting there watching it. All of a sudden, in my heart, do you know what I said while I was watching that scene? I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that this isn't them. This is me. In what you're doing right now, in what you did then, is for me. Like, I'm responsible. But out of love for me, you're doing this so I don't have to stay there. And it opened up in my own heart these last two months, just something totally new. As I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. Now, as I said, a strange homily to give on a beautiful graduation weekend in the midst of the Easter season. But here's why I want to give it. There's another scene shortly thereafter that I just described around the scourging that many of us remember well. As Jesus falls one of the times, first, second, or third, as he falls, you remember the scene where down the alley, his mother, Mary, saw him fall. Remember the scene? And she's running to him as he's on there. The crowds are pressing in. The soldiers are saying, get up. He's all bloody from being scourged. And as she's running to him, she's having these flashbacks of him falling as a child. And she's saying, I'm coming, I'm here. Right? And then they go to the current scene, and then they go flashback of him falling as a curly-haired little boy. And then finally, in the last scene that I'm going to describe here, when she gets to him and embraces him and tries to help him, he takes his hand and holds her chin and says, See, mother, I make all things new. Now, if you know this gospel narratives, that's not in there. She never, he never said that. What Mel Gibson is doing there is using what's called artistic license, right? Where did he get that? Where did Mel Gibson get this line, see mother, I make all things new? Well, it was the last line from our second reading, Revelation chapter 21. As Jesus, the one on the throne says, behold, I make all things new. 
What Jesus is telling his mother and telling you and telling me and telling the church is what I am doing right here, right now, is I am making things new. I am restoring what was lost. I am making things new. And everyone, what I just described does not happen through a new president, a new priest, a new pope, a new government, a new whateverment. What I just described about Jesus saying, I make all things new, is the entire point of all human history. That that thing that Jesus said, I make all things new, do you know where that's taking place primarily right now? In your life. In your heart. What Jesus is wanting to do for you and I is to make things new. And guess what? When that happens, when Jesus sets out the great work of redemption and salvation and making things new, do you know what happens in our hearts? It hurts. And we get confused. And we get, what is going on here? Well, what Jesus is doing is dismantling all the things in our life that we have made God. Jesus is dismantling all the lies you and I have bought into, that you don't matter, that your life has no meaning, that it's one thing after another. And Jesus is destroying that and making things new. That's the gospel. That's Christianity. That's what Jesus does through his death and resurrection, makes things new. My brothers and sisters, where does Jesus want to make things new for you? Where does he want to dismantle the lies, destroy the old ways, and make things new? That is not just a throwaway line that the gospel has. It is not just a throwaway line in the book of Revelation. It is true now. I make all things new. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he can do it? Let's give him permission where we need it most. Jesus, please make my heart new.